Well, we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit tonight. I really believe that, not only in the communication of what I want to share with you, beginning out of Luke chapter 24. If you just go to John chapter 1, we're going to go back to, uh, we're going to, go back to uh, Luke chapter 24, really beginning around, uh, yeah, go to John chapter 1, and then just go back to Luke, the last chapter of Luke. And we're going to look at, uh, beginning at verse 13, the Emmaus Road. Um, we're living in a unique day and age. Here's what we've been talking about this week. One that I listen to. Uh, Jim Cramer said it tonight. And it's a different day. It's a different day. We was out pizza with a bunch of pastors tonight, and I, I do. I meet, I meet people that's been in church, you know, like Jim for 120 years, and it's <laughs> not his wife, but Jim. And uh, no, but seriously, I meet people that's been around the church. If you've been around the church any amount of time, we're just living these. It's unreal. It's unbelievable days, and there's a shift. You, I just. Everyone I know I put weight in is the days of just showing up to church on Sunday and we live in the good American, you know, good America where everybody's Christian. You know, those days are, those days are gone. And uh, we have a responsibility as, as Christians. So how do, you, how do you live in a day like this? It's just a, it's a completely different day. So what we've been talking about is, is um, we've been looking at I've been looking throughout the New Testament, and the Lord has just really been highlighting to me um, what it's like to hear, you know, and I'm finding that in, 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 um, in Christian circles, there are some that it's like they almost don't believe they, they, you know, they can't hear him, okay? My sheep hear my voice. You know, they, you can hear him. You can walk and talk with him. You can know his mind. I mean, you're sons and daughters of God. And what we've been looking at, for those of you just joining us, is uh, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus is meeting kind of in a private little session with his disciples out in Caesarea Philippi, and uh, there's all this noise going on. We just live in a day and age of so much noise that should just, I mean, it's hard for me to even turn on the news. It's just, there's so much noise. And there was noise in Jesus' day. And he says, who do the people say that I am? And there's all this you know, all these complimentary things that are going around, and they were all off. And he says, who do you say that I am? No, that's right. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, it isn't about, this is so neat, it isn't necessarily about the right answer. It's the fact that he heard. In fact, he tells him, whether you know it or not, this came from my father. You're hearing. And then he goes on to say, hearing from the father changes your identity. Because he looks at, looks at Simon and says, by the way, you're no longer Simon. You've entered into a whole nother life. Because once you start hearing, you're just different. He wakes you up in the middle of the night. When you're walking in, you're praying without ceasing. And it's a two-way conversation. 
He says, you're going to be called Peter, which is stone. You say, why does he call him stone? Because he follows it and says, on this rock. And when you find this, which is a pronoun, you look for the antecedent. Remember the antecedent? Woo, we've been talking about antecedents. You have missed out. And the antecedent is the hearing of the Father. That's the rock in which the church is built on. What comes from, comes from heaven, what comes from the throne room, which is how Jesus taught him to pray earlier on in Matthew in chapter 6, he says, listen, you guys want to know how to pray? This is how you begin. Our Father which art in heaven, you are so holy. Let what's going on in your kingdom, let your will be done let, let on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let what's going on in the heavenlies in your throne room come here in my neighborhood, in my home, in my living room. That's, that's normal Christianity stuff. But how do you know? I... I first became a Christian, um, I was a little, uh, I became pretty cynical pretty quick, um, honestly, which is not healthy. But I heard all this, I had so many people telling me so many things, you know, it's a brand new Christian, moved back from California, start going to church, and uh, there's just a lot of unwritten rules. Back when I was, I grew up in the Bible Belt area, you know, it's, in fact, it was the buckle area of the Bible Belt. <laughs> And uh, there was all kinds of things, you know. There was dress codes. There was hair length. You know, there was uh, there were certain kind of, kind of things that I was told that went along with Christianity. And when I really began to read the scriptures, began to find out that none of that stuff was true. And yet the people telling me, they're so passionate. So how do you, how do you know you know, you're going to know. But we have the word. We have the scriptures. Which, by the way, when I first really began to wrestle with the scriptures, I was nervous about it. Because, hey, maybe this is just like, you know, you got to wear suit and ties and guys can't have long hair. Maybe that's what this is too. Well, it's the word of God. Well, how do you know? Well, I just know. Yeah, I've heard that before. So I went on this literal lifelong pursuit and I'm known people know me I'm a word guy man I don't I don't think you can walk with him without being in the word you say where'd you come up with that from Jesus <laughs> who heard because there's a connection this is so big so I'm gonna go slow tonight I'm so glad you're here seriously she is locked in you guys should the moment you start drifting I'm gonna be like She's not drifting. She's adorable. There's a connection between hearing and being in the Word. There just is. And I want to walk you through this. It can be a little bit, I mean, we're, you're going to go deep tonight. We're going to go deep tonight. I was talking with Chris about this today. He's like, man, this is deep. But yeah, I, I, you want to be stretched, right? We want to be the real thing. We want to hear. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the scriptures, and, and what I did is I read all this stuff, and you know, I, I did, I just, I just dove in, and uh, I just kept going back in history, just kept, I find seriously going through, you know, all, all the way back through the Protestant Reformation, and, and down through Catholicism, and all of these just phenomenal men of God through history who was talking about the scriptures, and it just kept, they kept citing resources going back, and it eventually came back to the early church, the disciples, and how Jesus talked about this book that we have now as the Bible. What is it? 
Where does it come from? You're, gonna, you're living in a day and age when there's going to be a version of Christianity that arises that's not the Christianity of the Bible. You're going to have people that are going to talk to you about a Jesus which is not the Jesus of the Scriptures. We have that today. Okay? You, there's a message of the gospel that's just not biblical. And it's interesting because people hear, I mean, what does Paul say? Test the spirits. Because you're going to hear. Okay? You're going to hear. The early church said the canon was the rule or the standard by which we judge the hearing. I mean, it's authoritative. That's what the scriptures are. The scriptures, the word for scriptures we're going to look at tonight is the Greek word logos. And yet the word that comes out of the, out of the mouth of the father to his children, and there's many different you know, words for word in the New Testament, but the one that's, that's really, really significant for, for what comes out of the father's mouth, what comes out of the spirit's mouth to his children is the word rhema. I want to talk to you about those two and how they go together. This is going to be fun. Are you ready? I'm going to try to get you out of here before midnight. Now, I'm going to be responsible for your time, but let's, let's, let's lock in and let's start in Luke. I just want to show you just a really quick introduction. Um, the scene on the Emmaus Road is the death of Jesus has taken place. He's been, he's been placed in the tomb. His resurrection, in fact, has been taken place. And the whole scene in Matthew where the angel comes down, grabs the tomb, the, the stone, throws it to the side and goes over and sits on it. The, the Roman kind of special forces guys, they pass out. You got a bunch of Marys running around. That whole scene, okay? Yeah, you go back and read about it. It's incredible. That whole, that whole scene's already happened. But most of the disciples, you understand, Jesus had a church of 120 at his death, and they're kind of scattered. And so he's going around, and you have this kind of like Jesus going here, he's going there, he's going here. And he's corralling the troops 40 days worth. And this, this uh, scene here in Luke, I just love because it's on the Emmaus Road, and you got a couple of the disciples that are walking along, and Jesus comes incognito to speak with them. In fact, you find, it says, verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things. By, in fact, verse 14 says, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So they're on this road going into the town of Emmaus. It's called the Emmaus Road. And they're talking. These two disciples are talking about everything that's happened. They're just, it's crazy. It's devastating. Talking about it. And verse 15 says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But verse 16 says, but they were kept from recognizing him. Isn't that interesting? If you get in the original language, the reason that they were kept from recognizing him is because he had on those nose, glasses, and mustache. I'm just kidding. That's not why he couldn't recognize him. But they were kept from recognizing him. And so he comes up, and he says in verse 17, what are you guys talking about? And, and we can't go too much in detail this, but I'll, I'll just tell you from the context, he's, he, he, he's a Jew. They know he's a Jew in, in terms of their response. Verse, uh, the end of verse 17, they stood there, faces downcast, so they're just, oh, grieving. And one of them, named Cleopas, just speaks up and says, dude, are you only, you know, where have you been? What rock have you been hiding under? Come on, seriously. And, and, and Jesus says in verse 19, what things? And they're like, Jesus of Nazareth things, man. And listen to what they say about him. Seriously. You want to know the danger of not coming to the Scriptures to learn about the Jesus of the Scriptures? I'm telling you, he's, you we're slippery. If you're not in the Word, I'm telling you, you will end up 
you'll end up walking with a Jesus that's not the real Jesus. I'm just telling you. And in fact, listen to what they say about Jesus, the real Jesus. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Look at verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now, when they say we had hoped, that's past tense. We had hoped. It's past tense. Meaning they don't hope now in the present. Why? Because he's dead. He was a powerful prophet. Phenomenal. We thought he was the Messiah. That's what it says. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. We thought he was the Messiah. You're like, they didn't think Jesus was the Messiah? No, there was no room in their theology. Now, again, we have doctrine. We've been talking about this for those of you joining us. We've been talking about doctrine. It's fantastic. You're to have sound doctrine. But you're not to be led by doctrine. You're to be led by the Spirit. You know how many churches get legalistic and inward and ingrown and irrelevant because they're led by doctrine and not spirit? They're just not allowed to do, he's not allowed to do a new thing. Oh, is that biblical? I don't know, she's waving her arms. Let me, let me do a word study. Come on, man, I'm, I'm a word guy. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. But you can, I can't find anywhere it says you're doctrine-led. You're spirit-led. You know his voice. You can sense his presence. He's so good. Loosen up, dude. Don't get unbiblical. They had no room in their theology for a bleeding, suffering, dying Messiah. Then they go on and explain. Jesus ends up interrupting in verse 25. This is so good. He says, how foolish you are. And slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, he says, listen, pretty plain, you didn't go to Sunday school. Because if you'd have been in the word, you wouldn't have missed me. Because the scriptures paint a picture of a spirit-sourced human being, Messiah, God who becomes man and dwells in their midst. That's what the scriptures describe. Jesus, dude, you haven't been in the word. The scriptures testify about me. Not When Jesus himself says, if you want to know who I am, come back to the word. And by the way, he just doesn't say it here. He goes a few more verses into uh, where he goes and into the upper room. He ends up bolting from these guys, and man, he's, he's tag-teaming all over the place, corralling the group together. He comes in among, um, among the group again in verse, uh, you know, what, what is it? Verse 36, 12 probably. But he, and he says a number of things, but down in verse 44, he picks up the same topic. And listen to what he says. He says, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Now, process that. This is what I told you while I was still with you. What's he saying? Dude, we've been over this before. Come on, man, we talked about this. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's the scriptures. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And this is what he told them. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You guys have seen this. 
You want to know who I am? You got to be in the book. And it's interesting. There's such this intimate connection between Jesus and the scriptures. This intimate connection. And I mean, you know, you don't want to be scolding, and I'm not. And you don't want to be critical, and I'm not. But man, I struggle with people who are just fanatical about Jesus without being in his word. You're just going to... You're going to get off. I mean, this is the rule or the standard. It's the early church believed. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But if you want to know what Jesus believed, that's what he believes. If you were to open up your Bibles, what you would find is that your Bibles are divided up into two covenant portions of Scripture. Okay? The first part of your Bible, which we know as the Old Testament is actually Old Covenant Scriptures, okay? That's the Old Testament. Those were Scriptures by which God was speaking to a people during an Old Covenant hour, okay? We live in a New Covenant hour. We do not live in an Old Covenant hour. God does not live in buildings. Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 10, Christ was the end of the law, this line, You are not saved by observing the law. You're just not. We have entered into a new covenant hour. So we have new covenant scriptures that we call a New Testament. You see, what are those? And it's really interesting. Most people, when they talk about the, the old and, and new covenant scriptures, they think of the old as like old. It's teenagers, I love teenagers. You know, the old is old. I've heard all kinds of things said about it. You know, in the old covenant that's where God the Father was, and he's, oh, he's grumpy. He'll kill you and your kids. Man, he's just, you know, Jesus is cool, man. He wears sweatshirts, and man, he's just awesome, okay? No, that's not true. In fact, I ask teenagers, I say, where in the Bible is the gospel? And they say, it's in the New Testament. And I'm like, you are absolutely 50% correct, and they're like, it's in the Old Testament? Yeah, yeah, it's in the Old Testament. In fact, we call the Old Testament the gospel announced. And we call the New Testament the gospel arrived because this is one consistent redemptive plan. It was not plan A that went sideways, got out of control, and Jesus says, oh, you're so unrelating, Dad, let me take over. And that's... Seriously, it's amazing the stuff you hear out there. That's not what the scriptures say. This is the gospel announced. You're like, the Old Testament is the gospel announced? It's the good news of the coming of a Messiah who's going to redeem an entire lost world back to the Father. That's what it is. I, one of the things I love, if you come to one of the most New Testament passages in all the New Testament, Pentecost, where Christianity and the New Covenant was born, Peter stands up at that event. you got the Spirit moving and 120 people, and, and everyone is going, what in the world? In fact, the text says in Acts chapter 2 that they thought they were drunk. <laughs> They're like, what? These guys are crazy. I wonder if that's what they should say about us. Seriously, on Sunday morning, what is going on in that big, huge brick building Peter stands up and goes, dude, we're not drunk. This is what God promised to our fathers. 
And he says, in fact, he opens up the scriptures and he preaches, and he preaches out of Joel, which is an old covenant passage talking about, are you listening? It's an old covenant passage that's talking about a new covenant relationship with God. So the, all the old covenant, in fact, I, I propose to you that if you, and I'm and just familiarizing you with your Bible, if you come into the Old Testament and you take anything out of pointing to its fulfillment in Jesus, anything out of talking about Jesus, you're going to misunderstand it. we got some kids here. You are going to love this story. One of my old, favorite Old Testament passages that talk about Jesus and the gospel announced is the Passover. And I, 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 I tell a little different with kids. Um, Moses basically has been sent back to Egypt. You guys remember this. And it's been crazy. There's these plagues, you know. And so he gets this text from God who says, hey, meet me at Dunkin' Donuts. And so they're hanging out, they're chatting and talking. And, and Moses is like, man, it's been crazy. And God's like, I know, but it's almost done. Got one more. So Moses says, all right, breaks out his iPad. He knows the routine. He's going to write everything down. And God says, here's what I want you to do. He says, on the 14th day, excuse me, on the 10th day of this coming month, he said, I want every Israelite family, and there's some certain stipulations. You had to get together if you want a certain number, but every Israelite family, I want them to go out and get a one-year-old male lamb without spot or blemish. Don't go down there and get some big lots lamb. I'm talking, you know, hey, we're going next level here. I mean, we're going full-on dollar general. We're going, I don't know what you have. I've only seen a few stores here, but I'm, I'm talking the best, best lamb you can get here in North Dakota. And, and he says, I want you to bring it into the home on the 10th day of the month, and I want you to keep it through the 14th day of the month. It's a work week. And Moses is like, wow, really, inside? She says, yeah, bring him inside. Let the kids play with him. And seriously, that's what Moses is thinking. Hey, you never seen one, you guys, come on, farmers. Do you have goats up here? We have tons of goats in Tennessee. They're cute, man. They're, their little uh, lambs are cute, and they're playful. And the kids, man, they name it. They argue who gets to sleep with it. And, you know, it's a one-year-old male lamb, so they get the little tag, Fred. I mean, that's, this is right out of the scriptures, young lady. I mean, it's, and so Moses is like, I got it. Now what? God says, okay, and this is the best part of the story. God says, on the fifth day, I want all the family to come into the living room and uh, I want him to bring Fred and a bucket and a knife. And then I want you to grab Fred, take off the sweater vest you got on, take off the necklace, and I want you to slit its throat. And don't just kill it, but I want you to spill its blood, catch, capture all the blood in the bucket. It's, it's a great story. And then after you spill all of its blood, catch every bit of it. Don't, don't let it go. Don't let it waste in the bucket. When you take it, and we spread it all over the house. Put it over the door frames, the, the, the fence posts, you know, the bedroom. I mean, just, man, every, everything, every area. And Moses is like, yeah, this is, are you sure? I want my kids to like you. God's like, no, 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 this is going to be great. Because actually after you do that, uh, and you smear all the blood, uh, I want you to skin Fred because you're going to eat Fred. Five days with your kids. Think about it. And we're, we're parents. And God's like, listen, I know you're bratty kids, okay? I don't care if they are vegan. You're going to eat, you're going to eat that meal. Because if you don't participate in the meal, you can have no part of me. In fact, he dictates the whole meal. And Moses is like, this is, dude, my kid, this is terrible. This is terrible. 
God's like, this is going to be great. In fact, you know what? We're going to do this every year. We're going to do this. is going to become a memorial between me and my people. I look at that story, and I'm like, that's cruel. That's cruel, isn't it? You can be honest. That's, I was like, wow. Why would God do that? Why would he go through that whole routine? See, they did that year after year after year, and other things that are crazy. And then one day they see it and they go, oh. See, he was painting this picture that Jesus wasn't Superman that was hidden in Clark Kent somewhere and they didn't know. He was one of them. They knew his name. He hung out with their families. He raised their kids from the dead. He took away, he took away dad's leprosy so he could come back into the fold of the family. I mean, dude, this is Jesus. This was, wasn't just some guy. He, wasn't, he was, he was, dude, he, lived, he had a farm right down the road. He's one of us. That's, that's huge. He's one of us, man. He wasn't, some, he wasn't just some Gentile. And we strung him up and we killed him. And it was horrible. And God was talking about that. That's what I'm going to do for you. This wasn't random. See, these events in the Old Testament, they weren't random. Nicodemus, I, I, I love this. I wish they would have called me about it. <laughs> but in The Chosen, Jesus is sitting with Nick. You, anybody seen The Chosen? Did you got to go and watch it. Skip work tomorrow. It's just, uh, you know, but it's, uh, seriously, it's ridiculous. Jesus is sitting across talking with Nicodemus. And it's just such a beautiful scene. I love all the, I love all the liberties they took. I think it's so, so good. And, he, you know, I'm waiting for the whole snake in the wilderness conversation. If you've never read that, they're in the wilderness numbers. And, uh, man, they just rebel against God in their hearts. And when you rebel against God in your heart, you open up the door for the enemy to come in and just torment you. Seriously. And he comes in the form of their, this protection. They, they literally walk out from underneath the protection. And uh, these snakes come in, and they're biting and tormenting, and it's all this just crazy stuff. People are dying. Man, Moses runs into the tent of meeting. He's like, dude, we got a big snake problem. God's like, all right, here's what I want to do. Moses is like, oh, no, no more drug out lamb. Just kill the snakes. God's like, no, no, it's going to be great. He's like, I want you to fashion a snake. And it wasn't really him, but it was all the best craftsmen in, in Israel. When you fashion this snake, put it on a pole, stick it up in front of the tent of meeting. And then the news is disheartening because he says, anytime anyone's bitten, which means he's not taking away the snakes. Anytime anyone's bitten, you can come look at the snake. But what is that? Jesus is trying to explain this to Nicodemus. You can come and look at the product of your own rebellion what your rebellion produces. And I'm not going to let what your rebellion produces to produce death in your life. I'm going to intervene there on your behalf because I love you. And Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, I'm going to be lifted up. See, all your past, this is so neat, all your past, all your addictions, all your mistakes, everything that makes us who we are was raised up on the cross. And God says, I'm not going to let you and the death and everything you deserve to produce death in your life. He, and, and what he does is all throughout the Old Covenant, he's using these scenes to talk to us about Jesus. Jesus, man. Hebrews author says there's a rock 
that followed the Israelites through the desert, and that rock was Jesus Christ, man. This is ridiculous. That's the old covenant scriptures. That's the word. It's relevant today. Why? Speaking about Jesus, man, it's not rules. It's not rules. I, told, I think I told you, I'll say it again because it's just so good. I, had a, I won't tell you the whole story, but basically it's teen mom. Not teen mom, that's MTV. There was this mom of a teen, and she contacted me from teen camp. They, and praise the Lord, it was me, not the DS. But she contacts me. My son came home from camp wanting to, you know, want a tattoo. Obviously referring to me because I, you know, just like Cheryl, I've got tattoos all over me. And he saw one, comes home, wants one. And she says, I told him what the Bible says. Don't mark your body. And I was like, young lady, that, go, go back two verses. It also says, don't eat pork. And I've been to your house, woman. I don't call her woman. Ma'am. <laughs> but that's legalism, dude. People say, well, doesn't it say don't kill? Yeah, but even Jesus says, you've heard it said in, in here. The purpose of that was not law. Here, give me, indulge me. Jesus says, you've heard it say, don't kill, but I tell you, don't even hate. Here's how I explain this to my kids, just really quickly. I was talking to my kids, and they're like, well, say, so, you know, we're not supposed to live according to the law. No, you live according to the truth he reveals. It's not just the letter. So I was given this illustration. We got this guy next door. What if this is Christianity? I'm a Christian. Why? Because I don't kill. Bible says don't do this. I don't do it. I'm a Christian. Do not kill. Jesus says you've heard it said that, but I tell you don't even hate. The big deal is about not killing. I mean, I'm hey, you don't kill? I love it. Big fan. Okay? Don't kill. Doesn't make you Christian, man. He's like, well, explain that. Well, I had this next door neighbor at home. This guy lives down the road, and I, I hate him. I just wish he'd die. But I'm not going to kill him. No, I'm, not. I'm a Christian. That's my DS. I'm not going to kill him. I'm a Christian. But he can't live forever. In fact, I, while I was here, my wife called me this morning, and we have, we have a lot of this construction going on in Tennessee because everybody's moving there, and, and there's all these accidents. And Corinna's calling me. She's late for work and, or late for school. She's teaching, and, and she says there's another bad accident. She says, in fact, I think it's a fatality. And I remember thinking, oh, let it be him. Oh, let it be him. But I'm not going to kill him because I'm a Christian. Now, if anyone heard me talk like that, they'd say, you're not a Christian. Well, the Bible says don't kill. But, but dude, you're not even supposed to hate. Because he doesn't hate, man. It's not rules. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even lust. So I'm not going to cheat on my wife. And she is. She's beautiful, but she's got some miles on her. There's no doubt about that, man. I mean, she's getting up there, okay? But I'm not going to cheat on her. I'm not going to cheat on my wife because that's adultery. But she can't live, to get, she can't live forever. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm, I'm just planning. I'm not going to cheat on her. But if she dies, I'm going younger. There ain't no doubt, okay? <laughs> Unless lippy. 
anybody heard me say they'd say, that guy's a freak, man. He's not, he's not right. Yeah, because yeah, absolutely I didn't commit adultery. But you look at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've already done it, dude. Well, it changes the way we look at marriage. See, this isn't rules. Come on, we gotta grow up. Move on from, from milk to solid food. This is not just rules. This is a life-giving word. It divides soul and spirit. I mean, it's crazy. That's what Jesus says. That's just rules. That's just laws. Points to Jesus. Now, you come into a new covenant, and you learn all kinds of things. All throughout the old covenant, God spoke. And they recorded it in what we call, we might just call it the Bible. At least the old covenant version of it. Then Jesus shows up one day. And he reveals that God is one God. We'll condense some of this. This is actually a 12-hour course, so we'll condense it. But Jesus reveals that our God is one God, but he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The God that was interacting with them in the Old Testament wasn't just the Father, it's God. If you want a picture of God, by the way, go study um, Revelation chapters 4 and 5. It's a beautiful picture of each member of our Trinity who's participating in our redemption. We know a lot about the Son because he's the one that took on flesh. If you're in uh, Luke still, just scroll up or if you have those ancient paper text documents. Go to John 1.1. This is how Jesus, this is so good. This is how Jesus is introduced to us. It says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And everyone would have understood what he was talking about because God, all this Word language God spoke. Prophets would come and say, I have a word of the Lord. Moses went on the mountain, wrote down the word. It's gathered, all the words of God, all the communication, all the speaking. In the beginning was that word. And he says, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word is a person. And by the time you come down to verse 14, that word, after this point in time, entered into the womb of a woman named Mary and was born, took on flesh, and dwelt among us. And this God, are you with me so far? It gets better. This God told Mary and Joseph to name the word that was moved into Mary's body and came out as a baby to name that baby Jesus. But he's actually the living word. And what he reveals in his lifetime is that in the old covenant, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, revealed his Son all the way through the whole thing. And a point in time came is when that living word right here said, listen, I don't think they're getting it. I'm going in. And the word entered the womb. Put this together. The word entered the womb of a woman named, babe, uh, named Mary and came out and said, let me show you what I've been telling you 
for 4,000 years. And you have all these, all these conversations in the New Testament that are like, whoa, Jesus wrote that. He was the communicative agent in the Old Testament. You want to know what this book is? It's the collect. Think about this. This book is the collection of the uh, it's the collection of the word active before he became a human being. And if you want to know the living word, get into the written word because he wrote it. You know what the definition of inspiration is? They say the Bible's inspired. The definition of inspiration is though it was written by man, it wasn't authored by man. When you open your Bible to the book of Isaiah, you're not reading Isaiah's opinions, you're reading God's opinions. So the scriptures are. And it makes it unlike anything else. When I first got saved, I loved this uh, devotional by Oswald Chambers. It was the first one stuck in my hand. My utmost for his highest. I read it. Struggled with it. Understanding some stuff. And I had my pastor and a Sunday school teacher that differed on one of the chapters we were studying. And I was like, well, I would like, let me, can I go talk to this guy? They're like, dude, he's dead. And then it dawned on me, who would I actually go to to find out what this means? And then it caused me to think about the scriptures. But see, they're different. See, I don't know, what did, what did Oswald Chambers mean? I don't, he's dead, I can't go ask him. We can debate about it. That's not the case with the scriptures because the author is living in your body. <laughs> the author of this book is living in your body and he wants to speak to you in fact Jeremiah the prophet said the days are coming when he's going to take this stuff off a of stone and he's going to write it right here and it's going to transform you we call this the logos See, the Logos is a living, breathing reason. It's, a, it's an entity. It's, a, it's literally, as Jesus says, I'm the full, complete revelation of my Father. That's what the word is. You want to know who God is? Get in the book. It's the Logos. It describes, listen, it, it paints a picture of what you and I are supposed to look like. If you ever get into the scriptures and you don't look like that, you need to change. You say, Lord, man, take, shape my life. I'm telling you, we live in a day and age where there's a version of Christianity that does not come from this. Okay, well, what's this rhema? What's this rhema all about? Oh, we're making great time. He said, what's this rhema all about? Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the enemy's tempting him. The enemy's coming after him. He's been, listen, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The enemy and Jesus end up bantering about the book. And the enemy takes a passage out of context. And Jesus is like, dude, listen, I wrote it, all right? Man does not live on, every, on, on bread alone, but on every rhema. That's the word. Every word that comes, that's what he brags on Peter about. Are you, are you with me? We're almost done. Man lives off of every well, what's the word? The word describes the person who's living that. That's what the scriptures are. They're describing what you look like. And then you're living it and demonstrating it. But it's even more than that. What's so neat is you begin to find throughout the New Testament, the word rhema is translated in a variety of ways. One of my favorites is, uh, 
<laughs> it's so neat. It's in um, Acts. You may want to look at this one, chapter 5. The apostles are like unhinged, man. I mean, they're meeting in, they're meeting in the temple. They're preaching. They're, te- they're teaching. They're healing. I mean, literally, they're just, it's like Jesus has just been re- reproduced in 120 and then being reproduced in 5,000. It's like he's everywhere. It's like they're sons and daughters of God just walking and listening. And it wasn't just, and Jesus said that, you understand, Jesus says you and I will do greater things than these. It's crazy because the disciples are like, dude, you're next level, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you know what? There's going to be greater things that God does through you. I'll give you in a second. Sit down. He says, I'm going to do greater things than these. God's going to do greater things than what he's even been doing in me through you. Isn't that incredible? I hear people say, well, that was Jesus. This supposed to be us. That's supposed to be us. So listen to this. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 17. So the high priest, well, what happened is, well, see, we have to go way back. If you go to verse 12, we won't read through all this, but it says the apostles heal many. Verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Well, that's enough to suffice for the context. Verse 17, then the high priest and all the associates, all his associates were members of the party of the Sadducees. They were filled with jealousy. So what they do? They have them locked up. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Verse 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And he said, go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full rhema of this new life. The message. You're like, well, didn't they like open up to like, you know, First Peter? Dude, it hadn't been written yet. It hadn't been written yet. To speak a life-giving word. You know what God's been doing you, what you've been hearing? Remember? That's what he says to Peter. See, there's something really significant about, there's something really significant that when you allow the scriptures, you allow the truth of God's word, which is the picture of what a Christian looks like, that book, when you allow that to shape you, be written on your heart, and literally transform you, you know, you were made, Adam and Eve were made in his image and likeness. Think about this. In all of creation, God is the only one who gives a life-giving word, except his kids. Because when the word lives inside of you, just try this on for size, when the word lives inside of you and shapes you, you begin to speak life. Because what's going on in him, he's now living inside of you. And what's coming out of his mouth is coming out of your mouth. In fact, it's, it, Matthew tells us, Jesus says, you make a tree, you know, the whole good, uh, uh, good and bad fruit uh, thing in Matthew chapter 12, about you make a tree good, it's going to produce good fruit. So you're transformed, you're saved. That's what, dude, you're going to be. And he comes down and he says, in fact, verse 36, I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless rhema that they've spoken. For by your rhema, you will be acquitted. And by your rhema, you will be condemned. What do you mean? Dude, I'm so filled with who he is and his spirit, and I've been immersing myself in his word, and he literally colors the way that I, that I see you, and I speak that over, I speak good things about you. 
It's really interesting whenever I talk about this. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah. You get to this part and they're like, I don't know. That sounds risky. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Jesus just love. Just spoke life. Spoke life over people. You ever walked into an airport or whatever your life, wherever your context is? God just opens your eyes and you see someone through it. He just gives you this picture and your heart breaks for him. I don't come to the scripture and say, oh, what do I say to him? What do I say to him? <laughs> and become that guy on the street. Repent! Well, that didn't, that didn't work. I mean, what do you say, man? What do you say? Dude, you love him. I was at this uh, revival, and this this girl. I don't know how this happened, but she's a young mom. And uh, I've known her. I knew her in the past. Knew she was. Knew her name. And I looked at her. She's just, she's all grown up. She's a mom. And I was like, dude, you're, oh. I said, you're so cute. And she responded, and she goes, yeah, with my, my belly. She just had a baby, and. Holy Spirit just spoke to me so clearly. She's went through, men need to hear this. She's went through changes physically, emotionally, hormonally. She's reeling from that. And I went up and just put my arm around her and I said, He thinks you're beautiful and you're so lovely. And you're the apple of his eye. And she just started crying. What passage did you quote, Jeremiah? I don't know. But I'm just telling you, when you're tight with him, and you're seeing, she's not an object. Well, yeah, put on some weight. Bible says be a good steward of your body. I mean, come on, man. No one's going to interpret that. And, but yet sometimes he does give us passages of Scripture. But I'm telling you, it's not a Bible study thing. And I'm big into the Word. But I'm telling you, you're filled with the same Spirit that was filled with Jesus. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives in your body. And that's the truth, man. And you can walk in intimacy with him and he will open your eyes to see your work environment, see your household, and you'll find yourselves talking about things. You, you come out of there going, wow. And people are going to be like, dude, that had to come from Jesus. I know you. You just love him. Dude, that's the church. The angel said, hey, you 12, I'm letting you out of prison. Wow, where are we going, to the safe house? Go back, go right back in the temple. And just rhema everywhere. Why? Yeah, because you've been shaped on the inside. And you see the women of your town different than you see the drug addicts different. You you are literally you are literally speaking life into your city. Your hope, you carry the hope that they need. It's not just Bible study stuff. Seriously, are you are you with me? 
See, we don't, I don't think it's the sign thing down on the street corner. I don't, I've never seen that work, honestly. I've met the people who say, oh, I'm just not very good at memorizing the scripture. I get it. I get it. Just be so tight with him that the way he feels about them, just it's almost like you can't screw it up. That's what's so beautiful. You can't screw it up. I'll give you one illustration and, and then we'll just close. This is a teaching element tonight. I don't know. Maybe we should respond. I think you all need to repent and respond. But... <laughs>